You're listening to the Weekend Collective Podcast from Newstalk ZB. In the Herald today, online, there's an article about the cataclysmic rise, dramatic rise, a rampant rise in retail crime at New Zealand's uh, leading supermarket chain. Uh, they've told the New Zealand Herald that they are enhancing their security in multiple ways. They're changing their store design. They're getting um, new staff radios, outsourcing specific team training for handling aggressive and threatening behaviour. Um, in fact, I was having a chat with one of my colleagues who says that some of the stores have now got technology, which is facial recognition, that if you're wearing a mask or you're obscuring your features or sunglasses or you're on their hit list for people who can't be trusted, the doors won't even open. Um, so we're certainly entering a brave new world in terms of technology as well. But Mark Mitchell has released some alarming new data that show a six... I mean, these numbers, they just sort of roll over, you don't they? Because we, we're just so used to the hyperbole. 663% increase in reported stolen goods over six years and a 303% increase in physical assaults at countdown. Um, so uh, to talk about this and crime and what we're going to do about it and how it's affecting retail, we're joined by National Party Police Spokesman, a spokesperson, should I say, although he's a man, uh, dare I say. Mark Mitchell joins me. G'day, Mark. How are you going? Yeah, afternoon, Tim. Good. Yourself? Uh, good. I should never second-guess my introductions as I'm reading them out. Um <laughs> Hey, um, yeah. where did you get? Where do you get these stats from? Because we're we're still trying to get them out of um, countdown ourselves. But a six hundred and sixty three percent increase in reported stolen goods over six years. Yeah, so they, they are the, uh, these stats are stats that have been collected by countdown um, across various different platforms. Now you've got a raw that sort of catches um, a lot of information stats now for our retailers as well. I think that um, look, I, I think that the the risk. Um, the risk that, and you just highlighted in your opening comments, I was listening to them, and um, you were saying that you know, we're, the, the risk is around the hyperbole, and I think that the real risk for us as a country is we had Greg Harford in front of the Justice Select Committee recently. He's the, um, the outgoing chief executive of Retail NZ. He was saying that their biggest concern with retailers is that, is that we, this starts to become normalised. Yeah. And people are desensitised to it. And I totally agree with them. You know, these numbers are shocking. And um, it should be a wake-up call for us in terms of um, coordinating right across the retail sector, our dairy owners, uh, and doing, taking every step that we can through a partnership with central government, local government, uh, retailers, and trying to deal with this problem. I guess there, there are always going to be challenges with enforcement from the point of view of just staffing it and how much the police have got on their plate. But um, are there any specific law changes that you would be looking at when it comes to addressing retail crime? No, probably not Not directly in front of us at the moment. Um, the only thing that I would say is that I think there's got to be a big piece of work done, proper um, uh, dedicated um, work with the retail sector to actually identify whether or not there is new technology that needs to be introduced and, and that may require some sort of legislation or law change to support it. What about the law around um, the ability of stores to protect their property? Because at the moment... Obviously, I can understand that there are always many sides to this because as soon as you introduce the ability to be more confrontational with people who are just walking out with trolley loads of stuff, then yeah. that creates an enhanced risk. But do we need some sort of clarification on or enhancement of the law on what you can do to protect your property? Well, yes, in short, yes, we do have to do some work around that. We have to make it very clear in terms of what protection storekeepers, dairy owners, and even people that might be... Um, might be defending their families or, or properties and what, what um, protections they have under the law at the moment is a bit of a grey area. Mm. And so we've already stated publicly that we would look at that. 
um, to make sure that we haven't got innocent people that are quite simply trying to defend themselves or their property um, in a situation where all of a sudden they are now an offender appearing in front of the court. Uh, the, the only thing I would say is that we're, we're very clear about um, trying to encourage people not to confront these offenders, um, to try and avoid a confrontation because many of them now are armed um, and they're willing to use the, you know, whether it be a knife or a firearm, they're willing to use them. So, how much of the, what is your solution to it? Is it is it one? What's it focus on? Is it about the punishment, crime and punishment of offenders, or is it about enforcement? Or how would you describe your plan to well, tackle the it, tsunami of offending? Look, at a very high level, um, there's t- the two best deterrents that you can have in terms of stopping, whether it be violent crime or, or retail crime, is there's two things. One is quite simply the likelihood of being caught. And at the moment, especially in relation to retail crime, that is very, very low. That is around 2 or 3%. Um, and the other one, of course, is consequences. And we've seen under this Labor government that there are no consequences. There's no serious consequences. So when you've got the two biggest deterrents failing, um, then um, you know, we shouldn't be surprised that we're seeing figures like a 600% increase in, um, in, in retail crime or a, an over 300% increase in assaults on, um, on retail workers. So how do you impact that? I mean, it's one thing we can talk about. We need to have a higher likelihood of getting caught and consequences. What particular steps are you going to take? Well, the, the, well, one thing immediately is the consequences. You've got to fix that. Um, so we've, we've already made some announcements around sentencing. We've said that the judges would be capped at 40%. They can't, they can't go above a 40% discount on a mm. sentence because uh, in New Zealand we've seen just about on a daily basis when um, sentences have been discounted down below two years and then all of a sudden they're eligible for home detention. They're out on home detention. And by the way, in the last six years since this Labor government came in, we've had a 158% increase in people out on home detention and, mm. and electronic monitoring. At the same time, we've had a 100% increase in absconding. And some of the some of the worst violence that we've seen in the last two or three months has been perpetrated by um, offenders that have been on home detention and sh- who shouldn't have been. Mm. They should have been in prison. Um, so, you know, the consequences side of it, we said that, uh, if we need to make changes to our sentencing law, well, then we'll do that um, because it's time that the seriousness of the offending is reflected in the actual sentence that's given. And at the moment in our country, that is not happening. Let's get on to the, the... I know you don't like this word, and I'm not sure it's helpful, but it keeps on being the way that people sum it up. Boot camps. Yep. Yes. Um what is this program and do you need to find a new name for it? Because otherwise we get caught up in the sort of the rhetoric where the opposition yep. write it off as tired and discredited or yep. to quote Jared Gilbert, um, he said that boot camps were a stain on Bill English's legacy. Pretty strong yep. stuff. What's different? Well, it's that, that stupid emotive um, rhetoric from um, Jared Gilbert, number one. Um, I'm very happy to debate any of these academics or hand-ringers that, um, that keep going on about and keep saying that our, and by the way, it was called Tim. It was actually called our um, Youth Offender Military Academy. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, everyone, including the media, everyone just um, immediately sort of uses the boot camp. Um, yeah. But but the reality is this: it's based off the limited service volunteer um, program that's been running for over fifteen years. Uh, it's defence led. It has police mentors. It has MSD. It partners with community groups, with iwi groups, and also the private sector to deliver job fairs. And it's for young people that are 17 into their mid-20s that have been in trouble with the law. Some of them been in prison. And it's been it's, it's an eight-week program. I've been heavily involved in this myself. I've been a patron of one of the courses. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in it. And it runs on about a 70% success rate. So we're taking that model and we're going to use it for 15 to 17-year-olds who are committing 
serious violent retail crime, and we're going to make that we're going to extrapolate it out to a 12-month course, and they're going to get that same level of investment. And whether it be um, numeracy and literacy skills, they will get team building, they will get exercise, um, they will get trained if they're going to go into employment. We will look into the economy and see where the jobs are and get them job ready for that. And we think that this is the best chance of being able to, number one, make the community immediately safer, and number two, invest in these young people and keep them out of the um, adult justice system because once mm. they're in there, um, they're much harder to rehabilitate. Uh, how many of these sorts of courses are around at the moment? So the LSV um, runs, I think, probably three or four courses a year out of Whanuapai, um, uh, Trentham and Burnham. Don't quote me on that, it might yeah. be more. Um, but uh, we've all, the facilities are already there. Um, you, you're putting these young people around the best possible role models and mentors. Our Defence Force offer the best role models and mentors that we've got as a country. Uh, and, and in my experience with the LSV program, a lot of the instructors on those courses were actually putting their hands up and volunteering for them mm. because they saw, it, they saw it as a real opportunity to invest in these young people who often haven't had any real quality adult um, yeah. uh, investment into them at all. What's the reaction of, of, of iwi groups and other community groups to, these, to this idea? Look, the, so the, so the, I haven't had any formal engagement with any specific iwi groups, but, but the people that I speak to, um, the interviews that I've done with uh, various Pacifica groups and things like that, once they actually understand and see what the concept is, they're fully supportive. You've got to remember that a lot of the young people on the, um, on the, LSV, and, uh, on the LSV program are young Marian Pacifica people. Um, you got to remember that probably, in my, certainly in my experience, when I've been involved in the course, you know, 50 to 60 percent of the instructors on the courses are Marion Pacifica. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the, so, the, so the program is very, very effective across all of our young people, but certainly um, it's been very effective for our young Marion Pacifica people mm. as well. Again, what's the name of the Because if we're going to try and talk about it without it being referred to as a boot camp, what's the, what's the name of the scheme? So, so it's called the Limited Service Volunteer Program, LSV. Limited Service Volunteer Program. Uh, yeah, you might need to come up with something exciting that uh, catches, you know, that becomes a bit of a slogan. There. Maybe you need to stick Raptor yeah, in the title or something. <laughs> yeah, it catches the imagination. But look, look at, at the end of the day, I've, I've extended several invitations to to people that um, yeah. that come out, come out and attack and criticise the policy to to come with me and actually come and have a look at the LSV, mm. and it'll it'll and it'll turn them around. It'll change their minds um, without a doubt. But no, I completely take your point on the... Um, but listen, the, the, the interesting thing about it, Tim, was that um, One News actually ran a poll about six weeks after we released the policy. Mm. And of course, we'd been... You know, you had the media attacking, you had Labor mocking and attacking it, and the Greens and all the rest of it. So they, they ran a poll to see what the, um, uh, what the general support was in the community. 61% of people supported the policy. Okay. Um, just quickly, your old mate Stuart Nash, he's made his valedictory. You might have covered this off in Hosking, actually, but I just wanted to uh, check. Uh, what did you make of his comments about wanting ministers to be able to criticise the judiciary? Um, yeah, no, I don't. I, listen, I don't think we should go down that road. I think the judiciary, the way out, we've got a very strong democracy in New Zealand, mm. um, and I think that there is a separation. Um, but, I, but the point that he made around when the lawmakers, the legislators pass law, Mm. Um, then I would expect the judiciary to respect that mm. and apply it in the spirit in which it was meant to, uh, in which it was meant to be applied. And it's very easy to see that because you can go back and have a look at the Hansard speeches and the speeches that are made in, in the Parliament. And I think that that is critically important. But um, but in terms of uh, MPs and members of Parliament being able to comment and start to criticise uh, in the public arena, judges, no, 
we shouldn't go down that road. Yeah, good on you. Okay, um, Mark Mitchell, hey, thanks very much for your time. Enjoying the rest of your weekend. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, Tim. Good on you. For more from the Weekend Collective, listen live to News Talk ZB weekends from 3 p.m. or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.